Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is June 11th, and our passage for today is Isaiah chapter 40. As I told you in the last podcast, I'm going to first hit Isaiah 6 to set the stage for the rest of our podcast in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, we've already looked at the background of the book, the division of the book. And so we're going to get right into the call of the prophet. In the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died, he was a leper, but greatly beloved of the people and greatly beloved by Isaiah and must have had a great influence on his life. He was already a teenager. He was already in the midst of those growing years. And he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, this vision that Isaiah had, I do not believe he was caught up into heaven. I think you have to go beyond what the Bible says to say that. Now, when we're caught up into heaven, like John was on the Isle of Patmos, he said he was caught up. He was immediately transported. He was in the spirit. He was in another place. He was in the throne room of all mighty God in Revelation chapter 4. But I think this is more like Job. When Job had a private session in seeing the great council room of Almighty God when the angelic hosts come in and a council is held and Satan was present in the book of Job and Job gave us insight into all about that which God had certainly shown him. He didn't know that at the beginning. He wrote that to start the book because that's how it started. But the fact is Job didn't know that till after the book was over with, until the ordeal was over with and God let him under inspiration write that down. But all to say, this is something of the same thing. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his throne filled the temple. And now people say, what temple are you talking about? I'm talking about the temple in heaven. You understand that when Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the Torah, that took about a chapter. But when God wanted to give Moses instruction about the worship center, it took 15 chapters from starting at Exodus chapter 25. The schema, the outline, the blueprint of the tabernacle was given with all the pieces of furniture and how they were to act in relation to those as the people of God. Well, as you'll recall, David was given a schematic for the temple. And he told Solomon, his son, before he died, he said, I've gotten all the beginnings of the wealth. I've given all of my wealth, which was multiplied millions upon millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that he had given out of his own treasury and he had saved up. And he said, I want you to build this, but build this as God has given it to me. I'm giving you this. Don't you deviate from it because this is the way that God wants it built. And the reason is that was a two-poise. It was a type. It was a model on earth of the real thing in heaven. You see, what is a model? A model is a small imitation of the real thing. 
Now, I'm not saying imitation in a bad sense. I'm saying imitation in a good sense because there is a throne in heaven. Over and over again, the Bible talks about this throne and he that's sitting on a throne, a temple in heaven. And it says it's so much in the Bible that it has to be real. And God said, there's one there. And this is the design that I've given you. And it has three parts, just like the three parts of the tabernacle and the temple. The one that Solomon built and the one that Zerubbabel built after that. And so all to say, I believe Isaiah saw into heaven itself. And the reason is, he said in verse 2, above it stood seraphim, and each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And they cried out and said one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Yah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this is an amazing thing because this is saraph, S-E-R-A-P-H, saraph in Hebrew means burning one. Seraphim, burning ones, plural. That I am on the end makes it plural. These were angels. We don't know how many there were, but their primary function is to be continually saying over and over again, the Lord is holy, proclaiming his holiness, his transcendency, his separateness. He is totally separate than any other. Why? Because he's the creator and everyone else is the creation. And so these six-winged creatures, these angelic beings, are a certain rank of angels just like the cherub, singular, cherubim, plural, is another rank of angels. There's all of these ranks of angels that are the guardians of God's glory and God's grace and God's people. And you see this all the way through Scripture. Do you remember the story of Elisha and Dothan, Gehazi, his servant? was scared to death of, of all the armies of Israel that were coming to take him. And you remember uh, Elisha prayed and said, God, open up the servant so that he can see that they are more with us than with them. And God opened up Gehazi's eyes. And when he did, he saw all around Dothan. If you could see Dothan, it is like a small miniature of the Jezreel Valley. It has mountains all around it because it's a mountain pass, a way in, a way out, and route from the entranceway into the the Jezreel Valley, the Herod Valley, where you take a shortcut to the Via Maris on the way down to Egypt like the Midianites were going when Joseph was in the Valley of Dothan. Of Dothan. And so Elisha was there. And that was his territory. And God opened up Gehazi's eyes and he saw what Elisha saw. And there were angels with flaming swords all around. So all of these are ranks of angels. And so the seraphim praise the glory and the holiness of God. Like the cherub, evidently, the cherubim guard the glory of God and are special messengers with great power and rank and authority that God's given them. I believe that that's what Lucifer was, was an anointed cherub. He was part of the cherubim, may have been with Michael, the lead of those angels, because Michael is called the chief angel, the archangelos. And so the chief angel, the lead angel. As these were crying out, Isaiah said that the posts of the door were shaken of this temple by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And this wasn't fake smoke like you see in churches today. This was the real deal. I mean, this was the effervescence of God. So Isaiah said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm destroyed. I'm cut off. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm in the presence of Almighty God, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah understood what a condition his country 
was in, both north and south. It was a mess. And I mean, God, only God supernatural and clean it up, much like our day today. He said, the reason I'm unclean is because I've seen the king, the Lord of hosts, Yah. I have seen God. How can I live? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, so they do more than just circle the throne of God, because this one, one of them, flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. Now, that means there's an altar in heaven just like there was on earth. And he touched my mouth uh, with it. He said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away. Now, this word taken away is is the word for what uh, the whole concept is not the word, but it's the whole concept in this word of the scapegoat. That is what takes away out into the wilderness the sin on the day of Yom Kippur. Now, why would you say that, Pastor Tony? It's because of the next phrase, and your sin is purged. Now, that is the word purged is the word Kippur. It's the word for cover, kafar. This is a derivative of that, and it's the word for covering. And so this is the language of the Day of Atonement. So Isaiah was very familiar with this. That's why God inspired him to use these words. In other words, he had a moment here when he understood that he was a sinner. He understood that he was unclean, and God cleaned him up. Why? Because Isaiah said, I'm undone. I need help. I can't live like this because I'm unclean. And so God took care of his unclean. God changed his life right there on the spot. So much so was his sin taken care of and taken away. He said, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's all he said. Isaiah was so in tune with God, he didn't know what the assignment was. He just knew that God needed a servant. And before he ever knew what it was, he said, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want. Now, that is the person God can use. And he did use Isaiah. We're still reading his books. We're still talking about Isaiah. We're still talking about the great man of God, Isaiah. Why? Because he had a heart to do whatever God wanted him to do before he ever knew what it was. Now, that's how you know the will of God. That's how you get into the will of God. You see, many of us want to find out God's will for our lives so we can negotiate. So we can argue. So we can say, well, God, I'm not sure about that. Could I do this instead? Lord, I'd really like to do what you want me to do, but does that mean I have to move? God, I really would like to do what you want me to do, but does that mean that I have to give up something? God, does that mean I have to give up my job, my career? Does that mean my family is not going to like me anymore and they're not going to be pleased with me? God, am I going to... You see, all of these things, we try and negotiate God's will. When you really get where you need to be with God is when you are willing to do God's will before you ever know what it is. Let me say that again. The people that God uses in the greatest way are those who are so sold out to God that they say, God, I don't care what it is. I'll go anywhere, do anything you want me to do. And I will do that before I ever know what it is. Because you see, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is, God would never ask us to do anything that he would not equip us to do it. God doesn't need your ability God needs your availability. God doesn't need your giftedness. He's the one that gifts you. He's the one that enables you. It's not by your power. It's by God's spirit, says the Lord. And so you say, well, I'm not equipped to do that. Well, get equipped. Well, I'm not able to. Well, get able. Get enabled. You see, Isaiah said, when God said, I need somebody to go, I need somebody to send. He said, I'll go before he ever knew where he was going, what it was he was going to be saying. 
Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. Immediately said, I've got something for you to do. I need you to go and tell this people. Now, this is fascinating. This is fascinating because this is the heart of a person who's been cleansed and forgiven. They're willing to do God's will before they ever know the specifics of it. And as soon as God told Isaiah the specific, he did have another question after this. And we'll see it. And so God said, I'm going to send you to a people. And his assignment was that in the eyes of everyone else, Isaiah was going to a losing cause. God said, I'm going to send you to a people and they're going to hear you, but you're going to say, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. God said, I'm going to send you to a people that already have judgment upon them, but still you're going to go and be my mouthpiece. God said, you're not going to have the results that you've been looking for, but some results will happen because he says later, my word will not return unto me void. We'll see that in the next podcast. Isn't this fascinating? And so God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell this people, a people that are not going to listen to you. In other words, I'm going to send you somewhere, and by all outward appearances, you're going to fail. These people are not even going to listen to you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? This is what happens to many pastors. They go, and the people say, no, this is great, but, you know, we're not changing. I mean, we were here before you got here. We'll be here when you, when you leave. Now, we told you to come in here. We just need you to come in and be our boy. But we don't need you to preach the word and try to change us because, you see, we, we've we already got a, a path set, and sometimes that path's not God's path. And so Isaiah did have one question. He said, and uh, Lord, excuse me, uh, but with all due respect, now, how long am I to do this with, the, with these results? And he said, until the cities are laid waste without inhabitant, the houses are without man, the land is utterly desolate, the Lord has removed men far away, and forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. He said, you go and preach till there's nobody else to preach to. Go until the houses are empty. Go until everything comes about that I'm talking about. But then here's the kicker. But yet a tenth will be in it, the remnant will be saved and will return and be for consuming as a terrible tree is for an oak whose stump remains when it's cut down. He said, <laughs> Isaiah, you're going to go and you're not going to have the results that everybody thinks you should have. But listen to me, there's going to be a stump. God is in the business of taking stumps and growing new trees. Now, that's amazing. You say, well, that would be a supernatural act. I mean, for a, a big stump to cut it down, there's nothing grows out of that stump. It's the root, but it doesn't grow back up. God said it does. God can make anything to grow, even out of a stump. It's supernatural. And so that's Isaiah 6. That's his call. And that's what he does for 39 chapters. He talks about the judgment of God and how God's people are going to come under his judgment. But then you see, that's only for a time. Judgment is only for a time. Weeping only lasts for a, a night, but joy comes in the morning. And chapter 40 is the beginning of the joy chapters and the comfort chapters and the encouragement chapters. When God says, yes, I'm going to bring judgment upon my people, but there's going to be a remnant that's going to be left, and I'm going to use the remnant. You see, God is always, always only used a small group of people to change the world to change their culture, to change their church, to change the season and the times. It's always been a handful. It always starts with a few. 
the same thing was true. God said, if I can just find 10 people in Sodom, I'll spare the entire city. If I can just find 10 people in Gomorrah, I'll spare the entire city. God always is looking for a remnant, just a tenth. And after the judgment has been prophesied, God says, Nachumah, Nachumah, Ami, Yomar, Elohechem. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Does that sound familiar? Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain will be brought low. The crooked places will be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it and so has the mouth of John the Baptist. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is as grass. All its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of Yah blows upon it. Surely the people are as grass. Verse 8 was W.A. Criswell's favorite verse. It was on everything. He signed everything that he ever signed to me. He signed it. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh, Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up on into the mountain of Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Oh, this Isaiah 40, what a chapter. Oh, my word. This is a chapter that begins the great section of hope, of encouragement, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over my God? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, Yah, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? God doesn't wear out. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. You feel weak today? Do you, are you listening to this and you feel weak? He gives power to the weak. Paul said, I will glory in my weakness, for in my weakness his strength is made perfect. Why? Because we're at the point where we let God get in on our lives, and it's not our strength. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men will utterly fail. Why? Because it's not us. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord, that's not sitting apathetically. It is sitting, walking, actively, pursuing God while we wait. And those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a chapter for those of us who are walking on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at Tony, C-R-I-S-P dot org. Thanks.
Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.